Thank you, Father. If you want to take the next 30 to 60 seconds and finish your prayers, that would be great. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. If you're online with us today or listening to us, we're just so glad that you joined us and that you can believe God for your breakthrough today. For your breakthrough. For your divine royal edict coming to your house. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I, I hope that you would just encourage yourself in the Lord and be looking for that royal edict to come to pass in your life this week. Amen? Amen. So activate your faith and say, my God is real, my prayers matter, and put your faith out there and let God answer your prayers. Amen. Well, welcome to Desert Stream, everyone. Welcome to join us in faith and in, in focusing on Jesus Christ and the Word of God we're belonging, believing, and becoming all that God created us to be. We're glad that you're here. And uh, we have a few announcements and things that we're working through this summer that we want to invite you to. First of all, the youth in junior high are going to meet here today at 4 o'clock here. And, um, and we're, parents, if you want to sign permission slips at that time, you can. We're going to go up to Wesley Acres Campground and just have uh, a fun time of games water activity, we're going to do a barbecue, campfire, the whole thing, and come back later tonight. So if you want to uh, join us, please do, Youth Junior High. There's uh, probably some young adults that want to hopefully join us after their full day of activities, and uh, we're going to have a good time together at the lake. So that's today. Meet here at 4 o'clock. There's no cost uh, for that. And uh, we have Moms and Kids Group will be meeting at Zwick's Park in August on the 16th at 10 a.m., Light snacks and drinks provided. And uh, there, the, next week, there will be uh, no kids uh, program uh, during the, the long weekend. So we thank all the volunteers for what they do. The nursery will be open next week uh, for parents, but the, uh, the children's program will be taking next week off. So they're welcome to uh, come in here if you'd like. And uh, I'm excited because on September 10th, we're having our fall festival and kickoff here at the church for all age groups. So we'll have our full Sunday, and then we'll do our, our big barbecue, but inflatables, and everything is right after church. So it'll be a day of just connecting as a church family and to focus on what God's speaking to us this fall. So that's on September 10th. There'll be face painting and bouncy castles and, and all that kind of stuff going on. So we hope that you uh, can come on your uh, Realm app and sign up for that so we know how many people uh, to plan for. And... Also, I want to announce some great news that our own Hannah McDonald and Nathan Hitchens um, celebrating their bands of marriage and be getting married August 12th at 3 p.m. in the area. So I know they're out here somewhere. There they are over there. Hi, guys. So your wedding's coming up. I think like 12 days or something like that. So the countdown is on. So God bless you both as you prepare for that awesome covenant of marriage. Amen. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be with you as well this morning, and we're going to press into what God has for us. I see so many faces as Katrina and I were uh, on vacation last couple of weeks, so it's good to be back and to see you and to see new people and to see old faces as well and young. So let's stand together and uh, press in, and let's believe that God's going to encounter you today by his Holy Spirit as we worship. Thank you. 
raise our hands across this place as we declare this this morning. The heavens are filled with the words of the angels saying, Holy, the scriptures say around the kingdom and the throne of God. We as earthly beings created in his image, we declare your holiness this morning, Father. We sing holy as one house, one family, one bride. You are holy, Lord. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we Yeah. 
Thank you, Father. God, we choose to rest in your presence. We choose to be generous receivers. We stop trying to earn your affection and love, but we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you, our personalities, our affections, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and to refill us. And for some God here in this room, maybe they, they've never had a baptism in your Holy Spirit of your love. And we just reach our hands out right now, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and refresh us and refill us like water pouring into an empty well. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to pour into our lives. And we pray for refreshing over everyone in this room. Your love to cover everyone in this place. Your joy and your affection and your acceptance to come over this room. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome. You may be seated. Wonderful. It's good to see the smiles out there this morning. And if you're not smiling right now, I'm just going to look at you longer and tell you smile back. Thank you. Yeah, there's Dave. Thank you, Dave. All right. That way you can't be too grumpy that long at church. Dave's, Dave's back. He's probably just tired, but welcome back, Dave. And uh, yeah, so if you're new, I won't do that to you. I'll just pick on some of the regulars out there. Camille's already smiling, so that's good. Isaiah, yeah, she's regular enough. Wonderful, awesome. Well, today, those songs were so perfect this morning because uh, my heart is that you would have a revelation of the importance of the intimacy of God. That God is not just a religious figure in a far-off cloud in the heavens away, but that God actually wants to have a personal relationship with each one of you in this room. And how many know that there's signs when you're in a relationship? How many of you are in a relationship right now? 
I see two. I see the married couple over there. That's good. Sliwa's in the back raising his hand. His wife will be proud of him. Okay. How many are in a relationship, not necessarily like a romantic one, but how many are in other types of relationships? All right. Yeah, family, there's one. How many know it's pretty hard not to be in a relationship? Yes, God made it that way. God created the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in a spirit of family. And so no wonder he created all of us to live in relationship and community. So today, specifically, I want to focus on having a relationship with God. And I want to start talking about 10 signs that you're in a relationship with God. And uh, last week, I was sitting there during vacation, and all of a sudden, God just dropped this in my heart, and he said, I want you to talk about signs that people are in a relationship with me. You know that God wants to be in a personal relationship with each one of you. Sometimes we confuse that with going to church or doing religious activities, but God is actually a person, and he desires to be known and to know you. He created you and put you in a family, and he wants to spend time with you. I want to share something uh, as an example of what we're going to talk about today, and uh, this is something personal uh, to me, because, hi, Jamie, he's smiling, see, yep, and uh, this is why I'm so excited, because uh, before COVID, I used to, on Fridays, I would come down here, and it would be pretty quiet, because there wasn't many people around on Fridays, and at 12 o'clock noon, I'd meet here to pray for our missionaries that are all over the world. And one Friday, I came down to, to walk back and forth up here, or sometimes I would lay down or sit or put music on, and I would pray for our missionaries. I was about to start, so I got here, and I was about to start praying, and God stopped me. God interrupted me, which he's totally able to do. He has permission. God stopped me, and you know what God said to me? It was very personal, and he said, I'm so glad that you came here. It means a lot to me that you would want to just take time out of your day to spend time with me. And I was like, wow, God would want to spend time, like he's happy that I'm happy that I'm taking time with him. Because see, in my mind, I was coming to pray for our missionaries. I'm doing my, my pastoral duties. I'm going to cover these people in prayer, which we should intercede for our missionaries. I was happy to do it most Fridays. But God was saying, I'm happy that you would take time out of your schedule to spend time with me. And a penny dropped that day, and I realized that God is much more relational than we give him credit for. He actually just wants to be with us. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about that kind of intimacy, which means a personal relationship with God. I want to read a few verses. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 13, 20, and do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. So what I'm trying to say is if we walk with God, if we're close to God, he will change our lives. Our behavior reflects the people we hang out with. How can you tell that you're in a relationship with someone? I always thought I could just start with my wife and I as an example. This could be very dangerous, so I'm going to just go slowly and pick my words carefully. How can you tell that my wife and I are in a relationship? 
Well, for one, we're wearing wedding bands. Thank you. Yep. Uh, June 25th, 2006, I believe. Is that right? Okay, got that one right. Yes. We got married, and Pastor Kevin was there as our witness. It was public in front of everyone. We told all of our friends that with God's help, we were going to marry each other and have a covenant with God's help and stay together for the rest of our natural lives. And that's one sign. Uh, We have three children. That's another sign we're in a relationship. Those aren't happening by accident. We'll move along quickly. Okay, yeah. Um, we, uh, we live together. That's another sign. We take vacations together. Uh, we have a joint bank account. That's another sign that we have a relationship. We share holidays, traditions, meals, stories. We share a bed together. Don't tell anybody that she's been sleeping with the pastor. One of them. Just one. Just to clarify that as well, because there's a lot of pastors here at the church, and they're all on vacation, so I just want to clarify. Me. Okay, so we'll move on to other relationships. All right. So there's some signs that we're in a relationship. So I have 10 reasons or 10 signs we're in a relationship. We're going to do some of those today and probably some of them next week. But I wanted to start with this first one, and that's this, that you know you're in a relationship with, a, with God because your face begins to reflect his face. Whoever you spend time with, you actually begin to take on their nature and character, and your face and attitude will show other people who you spend time with. This is based off of Psalm 34.5. So each one of these signs is based off a biblical principle. How many know it's important to base your life choices and character and decisions off of this? Because we could come up here and say all kinds of fun self-help things that had no biblical power. But we want to give you something that you can chew on every day. And if you build your life on this, it will not lead you astray. Amen? Okay, so they looked at him. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed, Psalm 34, 5. When it says their faces were radiant, you know what that means? It means happy faces. You know that God wants you to have a happy face? Why don't we practice that? I love this kind of stuff. Let's practice. Okay, on the count of three, show me your happy face. Okay, one, two, three. Not bad. Okay, coming through. There, yep, yeah, that was a little forced, but that's okay. Coming over there, okay. All right. We're getting there. Just checking. Okay. Happy face. God wants you to have a happy face. We think, you know, it's got to be spiritual. We have to be all these types of Christians. And God's like, could you be happy? Would you please receive my kingdom and be a happy person and show the world what it's like to be full of life and joy? It's the gospel. It's good news. You're not to be confused. You're supposed to have a face that looks confident. These are biblical things. You're not supposed to look like confused. You're supposed to carry confidence. You know, as Christians, sometimes we're taught, no, don't be confident. You have to be so humble, you can't show any confidence or pride. I'm not talking about pride. Confidence is different. 
Confidence is putting your confidence in something, and we put it in someone, Jesus Christ. So when you put your confidence in Jesus Christ, you feel better. Your head's up. Your shoulders are back. Your head, you're walking like this because God is with me. I have God on my side. And if he declares a royal edict from heaven, I'm going to get it. I'm going to receive it. And I'm happy about that. Our faces reflect what we focus on. That's why it's so important that each one of us in this first sign spend time daily with God. I want to challenge each one of you. Find a time each day to slip away privately and be with God. This is what it says in John 6.15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Jesus Christ often would sneak away when he was on this planet to pray and talk to his Father in heaven. That's our job. Our responsibility is to get away and talk to God. That's how we develop our relationship with him. So the first thing is your face reflects his face. Here's another sign that you're in a relationship with God. Number two, you believe that all your situations are possible. When you're in a relationship with God, you believe that every situation is possible with God. You no, no, you no longer live like this. Well, shoot. Shucks. I wish I, oh, yeah, not for me. I'm not that kind of person. It's not going to happen for me. I don't have good luck. I'm just, I'm just going to get by, and one day I'll go up to heaven. Like Ryan was preaching last week, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Whew, man. I'm just unworthy of it all. Is that the kind of life that Jesus wants you and I to show the world? Is that an attractive presentation of the kingdom of God? No, the Bible says clearly, for with God nothing will be impossible. Luke 3, 1, 37. Do you live like nothing's going to be impossible for you and your family? Or are you just like, well, that's my lot in life. I'm a determinist. Uh, God said it, and I guess it's over. I'm just, it's done. Do you feel trapped? Do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you're in a rut? When you get in a relationship with God, he begins to turn those things around. He lifts us out of ruts. He puts us on, back into movement. He moves your life. You, you don't stay still any longer. You're moving. I've told you this before. Back in, I think it was 2000 and. Uh, 21, God took away our $19,000 financial challenge, our giant. He, he killed our giants. He told me he was going to do it. He said, by October, your giants will be fall. And by the end of October, on, by, the th by the, that day, it was, it was Halloween. It was the 31st, I remember, because we did an outreach outside that there was a word of knowledge that came by my phone, and then another person who gave a gift a generosity, combine those two things, $19,000 was gone, was, was covered. And God told me he was going to do it in August. I think it was August that he told me. And he, he said, I'll take care of it by October. And he did it. It was gone. And my wife and I were just like, whoa. This is so fun and so amazing. Because God killed our giants for us. Because we believe all things are possible. 
Do you have something right now that you feel is impossible that you're willing to take and write in your journal, write it out and put the date on it and say, God, I know your word says this is not impossible, so I will trust and believe you. And on the perfect day in history, the impossible is going to become possible. Would you take your faith and do that with me? Would you not hold back? Would you say, I'm in a relationship with the living God. My God is the father of all creation. He can do anything, and I'm going to wait on him. And when it comes to pass, tell your family, tell your friends, tell the people who you've prayed for and with, and celebrate with them your victory. Because your victory is our victory. My victory is your victory. It's a family. So that's the second thing. When, you, when you're in a relationship with God, you believe all things are possible. And people like hanging around you because you, you bring positivity to every room you walk in. Because you believe it's possible. Now, number three. This is kind of a funny way of saying it, but less, less, and more, more. You're going to have less, less, and you're going to have more of more. Let's say it this way. You're going to have less lack and more provision. See, it sounds like the same one as the one before. One is talking about impossibilities, but this one is very clear that when you're in a relationship with God, you're going to have less, less, and you're going to have more, more. Which one of you, by worrying, can add not one cubit to his stature? And if you're not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is Luke chapter 12, 25 through 26 and verse 32. Notice who's giving it to you. It's your Father. Remember, we're not talking about a bunch of religious words here. We're talking about a family. So when you get born again, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, who is God's son, you become adopted into a family, and now you have a father. And fathers, the word father, when you break down the meaning of it, one of the key words for father is provision. Do you feel provided for right now? Whose house are you living under? Who's your father? I've done a message on this many times. Who's your daddy? When you know who your father is, it changes everything. Who's your covering? Because it's his good pleasure. He actually likes to give you his kingdom to you because you're in his family. But if you're not a son or daughter, if you're not a son and daughter, let's just say you're just a religious person saying, well, I believe in God. Well, the Bible says so do the devils. It doesn't matter. It's not just belief, okay? It's belief plus action in, in Jesus Christ. It says here, if you're just looking for um, a handout, you know, because if you work for someone, when you get paid, you just get paid your money, right? When you work at a company, they pay you, you agree to amount, and on payday, you get paid. But when you're in a family, you receive blessings, you inherit all God's goodness, and you can't earn that wage, can you? It's a gift. So if you're not her son and daughter, you're, 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 you won't be looking to receive a blessing, you'll be looking to earn it. And Ryan was talking about that last week, that if we try to find our identity in what we do, instead of being a child of God, like a son or daughter, we're going to have a long life down here trying to figure this out, scratching our head, wondering why we keep hitting roadblocks, when the entire time God has already set you apart as a son or daughter to receive. So please re-watch that message last week. It's on our YouTube uh, site. 
and make sure you lock down your identity is in who Christ said you are by faith, not by what you do. So less, less, and more, more. Number four, I'm sure a lot of you would like this one, less anxiety, more thankful. Here's a sign that you're with God. You're less anxious and you're more thankful. The Bible verse is a famous one. It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This is all relationship, okay? It's through Jesus Christ. It's with thanksgiving. Your prayer is talking to God back and forth. That's why we practice prayer in the earlier parts of the message is because we want you to have time in the service to actually practice talking to God out loud. It can be awkward at first, especially in groups, but this is practice so that throughout the rest of the week, you can do it with your family or friends or at work or wherever. You can pray. This is so cool. It says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. You know, this word peace here, Pastor Barry's taught on it many times. There's, very, there's a lot of different Greek words for peace. This one means to join together. So isn't it funny that when we're thankful and we get connected to God, when we connect like this, think of like a pipe fitter to putting two pipes together. Of course we're going to have peace when we're connected to the Father of all creation. Of course we're going to have provision and less anxiety when we're connected to the Father of all lights. So this is how it works. The closer you get with God, the more anxiety goes out of your life. And I don't know about you, but weekly, daily, I have reasons I could be anxious. Do you ever feel that way? That you could go down the anxiety route really easy if you wanted to? But Thanksgiving is the power that knocks that out. And I want to give you two examples that just happened recently. Okay, so this is Friday. Has anyone uh, been to uh, Dairy Queen before? I was going down there. I had a coupon. They were doing the blizzards, buy one, get one. For $1.99, you got to look at the small print. And so we go down there, right? And there was uh, the, my two oldest were with me, and we were having fun, and we got our food. We got our, our desserts. And then I noticed there was a grandma there. She's so kind. God bless her heart. She took her grandkids to Dairy Queen. One, you'd probably have to get a loan out just to take them. And so they're, they're down there eating, and they had their dinner, and then Grandma goes to get dessert. Well, she had this big sundae, you know, like in a cup, and it had maybe some uh, caramel sauce dripped on it or something like this, and she had five spoons all around it because for the grandkids. And she brought it back, and she's walking back towards the table across the restaurant, and you know what happened? They started complaining when she was like 20 feet away. Oh, Grandma, no, we can't eat that. It has too many spoons. Oh, Grandma. They came up with all these excuses why they didn't want Grandma's dessert. And I thought to myself, those kids, the little brats. I mean, here Grandma's taking you out on her dime. She's giving you a nice dinner, and now she's buying you dessert. And what's your response? You're going to complain? Now, we've all been there. But here she has this nice dessert. And with fun five spoons, they're going to share it. They thought that was the end of the world. You would have thought that kids were beaten and starved. 
they thought it was the end. Oh, Grandma, this is, oh, I can't eat that, Grandma, no. You know, they were, I thought, I was ready to leave the restaurant. I'm like, kids, if, my older kids, if you ever act like that, you're in big trouble. That's, that's, that's the opposite of what we want to be like in the world. But we've all been there. We've all been ungrateful. Now, I want to tell you a better story that's much more encouraging. Lucy and I were over at the dentist last month. She was getting some work done on her tooth. On, uh, yeah, on two of her teeth, actually. And uh, it was going to be about, maybe it was about an hour total, the whole thing. A little bit longer than normal, but they have to wait and do a little freezing and putting the gel in and the cavity stuff. And so we're there. And the dentist came in, Dr. Brett. He was so awesome. And he had his hygienist right there, and I was here, and Lucy was there. And he started working. You know, he would say things like, oh, thank you, Lucy. You're such a great patient. And then the, the hygienist would hand him the tool. Oh, thanks for that tool. Great. Can you open your mouth a little bit wider? Oh, thanks. That's perfect. He said thank you, I bet, probably 30 to 50 times in an hour. I had never been around a medical professional like that. I felt encouraged by the time I left the dentist. The whole little, you know how dentist rooms aren't that big. They're just like closets, you know, that you have to go in and they drill on you. And, you know, it's kind of scary. But you go in there, and there, there's so much Thanksgiving in that room. I thought this guy was, you know, like a brilliant dentist. Who wouldn't want to go and work for him? Who wouldn't want to be in that chair? Because the whole little closet room was full of Thanksgiving. It was trapped in there. It couldn't get out. The door was closed. And there was just Thanksgiving bouncing off all the walls. And I thought, this guy learned something. I don't know who taught him that. But the power of Thanksgiving in that 60 minutes changes the atmosphere of the room. You can do that. When you're with God, everywhere you go, every room you go into, every time you show up to work, you can choose to be thankful and pass that on to someone. And it is proven that if you do a good work, if you're thankful, that not only is the person giving the thank thankfulness happier, the person's receiving it is happier, and anyone who watches it gets happy for one act of kindness. So let's remember that thanksgiving is the antidote to anxiety. Be thankful. And everywhere you go, choose thanksgiving. And watch what happens in the room. And if people can't handle it, they'll just leave. And that's okay, because you don't need them in your life anyways, okay? Just be thankful. Just choose it and do it over and over and over. Do it with sincerity. Do it with a smile. And give it away freely to everyone that you meet. All right, this is one of my favorite ones. Can you guys look into your Bible, Luke chapter 15? Luke chapter 15. This is one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures. And this is Jesus talking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and a bunch of quote-unquote sinners and the, the religious people did not like Jesus because he was hanging out with sinners. He was hanging out with people who needed help. And the religious people thought, wow, why would you ever spend time with them? You know, you're not supposed to do that. You could become unclean. You're not a very good holy man. So Jesus thought to himself very wisely and said, how about I tell you some stories? So instead of trying to teach them directly, he just told stories. And he told these what we call parables. He told the parable of the lost coin. He told the, the parable of the lost sheep. 
And then finally, he told the parable of the lost son, we call the prodigal son. So this story tells us about a son, one son who accepted the invitation to come home and get in the house, and another son who rejected the invitation and would not come into the house. There's two sons. So if you're listening to this story, you've got to put yourself in one shoe or the other. Remember, there was an audience when Jesus was talking. You've got to figure out which son you are. So here's the point of, of a sign that you're in a relationship with God. You're less alone and you're more at home. When you're with God, you're less alone and you're more at home. I don't know what kind of home that you were brought up in. But I've got good news for you. You can change all that for a new home, a better home, with a perfect Father, with Holy Spirit at your side, and a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. That's your new home if you want it. You don't have to look back anymore. You can have a new home with God. So less alone, more at home. See, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, when you ask him to come in and forgive all of your sins and to make you whole and holy, something special happens, and there's rejoicing in heaven. And it's not earned. You have to just receive it. It's a gift. This is what it says in verse, this is 15, verse uh, 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him because the son had come home. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us, be, let us eat and be merry. For this was my son, he was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. So that was the result of coming home was a party. The result of being around God, they had food and they had a party. Does that sound pretty good? I mean, some people don't like that. That's not very religious to have a party. We're not supposed to have dancing. Here in the story, Jesus says, get the food out, get the music going, we're going to have a party. He was breaking religious rules because, remember the audience, they had the religious people and the sinner people. He was trying to tell a story. Now the older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. So the older son, I wonder who this could represent in the story, in the, in the group. Now the older son, he heard something, didn't he? And he got curious, and he came down, and you know what it said about the older son? He came near the house. See, when you're religious with God, you're trying to do all the right things, but you don't have a relationship with God, you can only get so close. See, you're, you're looking at everything from afar, and you say, oh, oh, there's the house. I hear music, but I'm only going to come near. At our church, we call that chair two. It's like you're, you're there, but you're not there. Chair one is in the house where the party is. Chair two is right here saying, it must be nice. How do I get over there? So the older son got near to the house, and he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked them, what does this mean? So you can't understand the kingdom of God in a religious mindset. You can't earn, deserve your way into the kingdom. You won't understand it. The kingdom of God comes by faith like a little child receiving it. 
So he called one of the servants and asked him, what does this mean? And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fattened calf. So he was safe, he was sound, he was healthy, he was whole. So what is the older religious brother's response? He was angry. And this word anger goes on to develop into the word of like hate, angerness to bitterness, anger to rage, even anger to kill someone. If you follow that word all the way to its end, means you would actually kill that person through your anger. Does that not represent the Sadducees and the Pharisees who were trying to kill Christ, Jesus? Their anger against him was so strong, they wanted him dead. And when we don't have a personal relationship with God, we can end up in the wrong camp of trying to earn deserve our way into the kingdom and, 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 and our anger getting in the way of going to the house. How many times, like God's like, here's the party, come and, come, and we're like, no, I'm too angry at that person. I won't go there. I'm offended. I'm hurt. They hurt me. You know, can you think of all the excuses of why we don't enter into the goodness of God? Why we don't enter into being merry and dancing? Because we've been hurt. We're angry. I've been hurt. I've been angry. We've all been there. We have to decide what we're going to do with that hurt and that pain. Are we going to put it inside our heart and just meditate on that anger and let it turn to rage and brokenness and broken relationship? Or are we going to, to seek God and give it back to him? Which is another key forgiveness that we'll get to later. When you accept your relationship with God, you learn how to be celebrated. How many of you would say it's tough for you to receive a gift? And most of the time you'd be like, uh, no, thank you, I, I'll get it myself. Is, is that a struggle for some of you to receive gifts? Yeah. It's not uncommon. It can be hard. When we get into a relationship with God, we become, like Pastor Barry says, what does he say? Become a generous receiver and a giver. Absolutely. Do both. Right? But we got to learn to receive before we can give because you can't give what you don't have. So becoming a generous receiver is when we relationally connect with God. And God is a giver, so you have to learn to be a receiver, to be around him. When you accept your relationship with God, you learn to receive his gracious love. You learn to be celebrated. You learn how to make merry, dance, and play loud music. When you get around God, you learn to be merry. Like in this parable, you learn to dance, and you learn to play loud music where people are going, what's going on in their life that makes them so happy? Why are they having so much fun? Why do they have happy faces? Why are they joyful? What's going on in the house? And that's when you get to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't have any of those things in your life, people are not going to be asking you for advice on those things. They're not going to ask you about your God or about your Jesus or about your way because you don't have it. You might have a form of godliness, but you might be denying the power of that personal relationship. We have to choose to humble ourselves and accept our rightful positions as sons and daughters of God. Not based on merit. How many of you tried so hard to just work harder and to earn that place with God so that he would finally love you? Has anyone tried that? I tried it for a long time. I thought that's the way to God was 
just work harder. That's chair two. It doesn't work. Can I give you some advice? Just skip chair two altogether and just start over here in chair one. You know, chair three is over here where you maybe don't, you don't even have a relationship with God yet. You're just doing your own thing, and you're a slave to whatever you think is good. But when you accept Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior, you confess your sins and say, Jesus, would you save me? I need a Savior. It shoots you right over to chair one as a son or daughter of God. The problem is, I've said before, we've got slippery little rear ends, and we slip out of our seats, and we slip right back to chair two where we try to earn it and try to work hard and make God like us because we have good behavior. When we're with God, we're less alone and more at home. Are you getting to be at home in your own skin? You know that saying, being okay with yourself? Are you learning to accept who you are in Christ and just be yourself? Because you know God made you. He doesn't make mistakes. He actually likes you and made your personality the way you are. And he wants to be your father and you to be his son or daughter where you get to talk about these things. So when we get close to God, we learn to serve him with passion, which is awesome, but we also learn to celebrate him and others with passion. That's when you learn how to have a party, when, you, when you're less alone and more at home. The sixth sign that you're in a relationship with God, you're a giver. You know you're in a relationship with God when you're a giver. Do you give or do you take? There's takers and givers in this world. You know you're in a relationship with God when you're a giver because you've taken on the nature of your Father in heaven and your Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he... Yeah, so that's Father God. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. That's John 3, 16. Now let's look at Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 27. So God the Father is giving Jesus Christ was a giver, and of course, we know that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and left, he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who will give you counsel and all truth and spiritual gifts. These are all things that Father God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit give. By nature, God is a giver. Guess what? When you accept Jesus into your life, when you make him the center of every relationship, you're going to be a giver in that relationship. And you're going to enjoy it. And you're going to have fun giving. This is in 2 Corinthians. This is talking about money, which is the test of giving. Money is a tool. It's also a test. But, I, but this I say, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthian church. They were going to collect an offering. They got all excited and say, we're going to collect an offering and give it to missionaries. Have you ever been excited and want to give money to someone? Okay, now it's payday. It's time to pay. So Paul said, and so that you're not embarrassed, I wanted to send a reminder before I come. Remember how you told me you were going to send money to that church? Why don't you work ahead of time 
and give freely in your heart. Don't do it out of compulsion. Do it freely. Give it with joy. And whatever you put in your heart, I want you to give freely so that when I come, you, I can receive the offering and then I'll take it to that church. So he says this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. So not only does God want to have, be a giver towards you, he gave you his son. Not only is Jesus a giver who gave you peace. Not only is the Holy Spirit a giver who gave you countless promises, countless gifts. But that means that you and I are givers. In every sense of the word, in every moral, godly way, everything that's true, everything that's right, everything that's holy, we're givers. Can you think of some examples where you could be a giver in your life today? Before you lay your head on the pillow, could you be a giver? Could you make that one phone call that gives grace and truth and life to someone who you talk to? One text that you could send, one financial decision that you could give because you're taking on the nature of your Father in heaven which is so awesome. And the Bible says, how many know it says, it's more blessed to be a giver than, I mean, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? So it's like a passion thing. We get to be like our father to be a giver. So those are six areas, six signs that you're in a relationship with God. And these are all calls to intimacy. These are not judgments that, oh, great, I only got two of them. I must be a horrible Christian or something like that. These are all invitations to growth. These are invitations for a personal relationship with God. The first one is your face needs to reflect his face. What is, when people see you, what do they see? Ask God to give you his presence and his, his vision of your, his self to show the world what he's like. Two, act like all situations are possible with God. You do not live in the impossible. Uh, you do live in the impossible now. You're believing that all things are possible now with God. That's where you live. Three, less, less, and more, more. Less lack and more provision. You're coming out of a spirit of poverty, and you're moving into a spirit of abundance, where with God, all things are possible. All things are provided for. Number four, you're less anxiety, more thanksgiving. That's another sign. Number five, you're less alone and you're more at home. You're more at home with God's people. You're more at home celebrating. You're more at home being loved. You're more at home being forgiven. You're more at home being provided for. And you're less alone. And number six, you're a giver. You've become a giver because you've taken on the nature of your Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Well, those are the six I want to do today. Katrina, do you have anything you'd like to add today? Come on up. I was literally just sitting there saying, Lord, I'm not going to get up there I'm not, unless he invites me, which would be so odd in the middle of his message to just invite me up. So then when he did, I was like, darn it. 
Okay, be faithful with what the Lord's put on my heart. Um, I wanted just to, one of my favorite things to talk about is the goodness of God. Because not that life has been all sunshine and roses by any means. But the Father's love for you and for me is so abundant. And I don't think we capture it. I don't think we really understand it. We, we taste glimpses of it. But it's so deep and so wide, which was so much of the songs that we were singing. I was just kind of focused on that during worship is how deep. And we can't quantify God's love, but it's so deep. And um, Mark and I on this journey have really had to work through some of this idea of um, lack versus abundance. And that earn deserve concept. And, I, and I'm not sure where, for me at least, I got that idea in my head that God only had so much, that there was, he just kind of had X, Y, Z. And if I worked hard enough, if I was a good Christian, and if I showed up every Sunday, I did all the things, I served, I prayed, I read my Bible, check, 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 right? I did all the good Christian things. Well, then I was good enough to earn one of those X, Y, Zs that God had. Because he only had so much. There was just just enough in a pie. And so that was a very inaccurate thinking that there was only so much. Because God is an abundant God. And he has beyond what we can ask and imagine. Like beyond, right? And his depth for us is so deep, his love. So that was one thing where I really had to check my spirit and ask God, what does that mean to walk in an abundance? What does that mean to truly believe that everything you say is possible? Because there's things in my life that I've been asking God for for years that I haven't seen come to fruition. But I still believe in his goodness. I hold on to his promises are yes and amen to those that believe. So I, I, I activate my faith to believe. The other thing that Mark and I have learned um, to, to talk about or to, to really kind of encourage each other is... When we see somebody else having victory, we've learned to celebrate. Because I think our human nature would say, Must be nice. Bingo, right? How many of you have like, oh, I'm so exhausted, I'm so burned out, I'm longing for a vacation. And then you see your friend go on this like luxurious vacation and you're like, must be nice. Or your car, you're like, Oh, this car, it works, but it's so many. And then you see your friend buying a new vehicle. Must be nice. Or you've been busting your butt at work, and you see somebody else getting a promotion. They're getting paid more. They have more time off. Must be nice, right? Fill in what it is for you. And we've had to struggle through that. We've seen our friends be blessed. And we have that choice as Christians to say, do I believe that everything is possible? Because if God only has a small pie of stuff and he's given, you know, this vacation and this home and this car to them, well, then there's not enough for me. But I don't believe that. I believe God has more than enough. So when my friends get that vacation or they get that $19,000 debt taken away or they get a brand new car or they get to have whatever it is, that you've been hoping for and you see your friends get it, instead of saying must be nice, we've learned to celebrate. 
celebrate their victory. Celebrate with them and say, I truly am excited for you because I know it might not be my turn, but the God I serve, it's coming. It's going to be in my pocket soon. So it may not be now. I trust God is doing all the things he needs to do behind the scenes for some of those prayers that I've been praying years for, some of those prayers I've been praying months for. But I know that God has got so much. It's not just a little pie where, oh, that slice is already taken. Oh, that, oh, man, it's dwindling resources and God. I must be nice they're getting it because I'm not. I better work harder. I better do all the Christian things to earn my spot. And then maybe, you know, pie in the sky God will give me something. That is not what we believe. That is not walking in that chair one that God is an abundant God. You don't have to do one single thing but surrender in love. That's all you have to do. That's all he's asking of you and me is to surrender in love. So to truly celebrate less, less, and more, more. To truly celebrate that in all, in all situations, all things are possible with him because he is an abundant, loving God. That's what I wanted to share. Thank you. You're really good at that. Amen. I am happy to be married to you. That's the kind of woman you want to marry right there. Faith and love and generosity and believing. That's the kind of spouse you want to find and, and connect to and stay to for your whole life. Person of faith and love in Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, we want to uh, close in prayer right now we're also going to close in a time of prayer that if you if any of these areas jumped out to you as an area that you'd like to grow in remember this there's no condemnation or judgment in Christ there's only instruction and growth and teaching so if you are feeling like one of those areas you're like I'd really like to grow in that area I need a breakthrough then after we're done uh, concluding this time would you just come down front and we'll have people pray with you and agree with you for breakthrough in that area because it's a relational breakthrough isn't it you notice how God's breakthroughs are relational? Every relationship breakthrough, every breakthrough that you're going to find with God, the miraculous thing is he always uses relationship to do it. So be on your lookout for the, for the relationships that matter for you and God in his breakthrough in your life. Amen? All right, let's stand together. Wonderful. Feels good to stretch after sitting, doesn't it? Yeah, there we go. Okay. I want to close in prayer, and then we're going to just open these altars up. And if you have a prayer need in any area or one of these six signs that you'd want to work on, then please come, and we're happy to agree with you in prayer. So, Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that a wise man will hear the instructions of the scriptures, apply them, and be blessed. We thank you for the your your biblical uh, instruction. We thank you for the word of God in our life. Father, we thank you that we can have a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. We thank you that every person in this room can become uh, mature, fully matured, happy-faced, confident believer, son or daughter in this room or those listening. So we pray right now, God, for the, the, the breakthrough, the spirit of breakthrough to come upon the people in this room God, they're looking for developing a personal relationship with you. They want to walk with you, God. And I pray that that would happen, and we know it only happens by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it only happens by grace, not by work. 
So we pray for the grace of God to fall in this room. We pray for grace and empowerment, Lord, and, and that, you know, we, we call it a freebie, Lord. We feel bad even receiving it because we didn't work hard enough for it. But I pray that all of us, including myself, would learn how to receive and to be okay with it and rejoice in you. So we give you our week, God. We pray that the spirit of thanksgiving would be upon us, that as we leave this place all week, we would be known as the thankful people, the thankful people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week again. Have a great week.